0: Hey guys, TJ here. You're about to listen to this webinar audio that we have made accessible for you guys with Danny Yeager. And I met Coach Danny back in 2019 at a breathing seminar. It was called The Art of Breath by Power, Speed, and Endurance. Uh, These guys know what they're talking about. He started in the breathing world, entering through Wim Hof, which you'll hear about uh, which if you're not familiar with, you can share more and you can look up Wim Hof. But then he, he kind of went down the rabbit hole and has been doing um, breathing work, breath work. And you'll hear a lot more about his experiences and not just his own personal journey, but in coaching other people. And if you tune in for long enough, you'll actually get to walk through breathing exercises, guided breathing with Danny, something simple, practical, something you can apply to your life. And I think most importantly, something that you might not already see in terms of the benefits of breathing and how this really can can make a difference. I share a very powerful story at the beginning about how I was even introduced to the idea of the benefits of breathing. I think you guys are going to resonate with this, especially if you've maybe wandered down the path of meditation before but not really like it hasn't stuck or or if you just started to explore how you can actually take control of the state of your body raise awareness through something simple uh, like breathing i think you guys are going to really enjoy it if you do get benefit please go ahead and leave a rating a review share with a friend who would benefit from listening we'd love to hear from you guys too tjloffler.com And TJ Loeffler, TJ L O E F F L E R, on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Thanks so much for being here. Welcome, Danny Yeager. I appreciate you being here, man. Thank you so much for making time. It's June 2020. We're in a pretty pivotal time and and a pretty um, heightened time in terms of sensitivity. And the topic today on how we can use breath to manage stress. And there's going to be a lot of offshoots from that. I think it's just such an important conversation right now. So I really appreciate you making time and taking time away from your family and business to be here.
1: Yeah, of course. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah. Guys, if you're watching, and I know we're going to have people watching this replay, if you're watching, go ahead and let us know in the chat where you're watching from. We appreciate you guys being here And uh, we know there's going to be so much to gain from this. So if you can, I would pull out a a notebook and pen, but we'll also do some experiential learning. Um, Danny, real quick, I'd like to introduce you and just share how we met. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Um, So Danny Danny stood out to me and, and I'll share like a very quick personal story. Danny, I'm not sure if you're even familiar how I even got to the Art of Breath seminar, the personal journey for me. And and I'll share it just quickly with you because I think it's relevant to the topic today around breath. Not I think, it is. Um, so back in 2017, my dad was in the hospital and stage four cancer, end of his life. I didn't necessarily know it was the end of his life. We thought there was maybe another leg. We thought he had had some healing and there were things happening. But um, very, very difficult time. My dad and I spent basically Father's Day. Around this time, three years ago, we spent uh, time in the hospital together for about a week as he was um, trying to recover from a surgery that didn't go very well. And nurses had given him a whole bunch of pain meds and it just wasn't working. And, um, and it was basically his body was on his last leg after chemo and radiation and all these other things. My dad was a strong guy. So he had gone through a lot, had really overcome. They thought he had a month to live. He lived 11 months longer than that. And um, wow. it was really incredible. But in that moment, he was there in the hospital, I had no experience with breathing, but just something came to me. And I said, dad, would you be, would you be open to, to just going through some guided breathing? And he was like, honestly, at this point, anything. And so, you know, me not knowing anything about guided breathing, uh, you know, this is before Art of Breath seminar, before meeting you, we sat there and, uh, and, and I pulled up a chair And we just sat there and I said, dad, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna count out loud. Um, We're gonna breathe in together. We're gonna hold it and we're gonna breathe out. And we did that. I don't even remember how long, whatever, you know, we did that for less than five minutes, but that's a long time for breathing. And we did that and it must've been a few minutes into it. And he just stopped me and he goes, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And I just saw it on his face. I saw him relax. I saw him, just his countenance, everything changed, you know, and then a nurse barged in and wanted to give him more pain medic. And like, there was all kinds of stuff. And so that was the starting point for me, which led me to, um, in personal training, I was working with a guy named Jose, who was telling me about the importance of breathing. He told me about you guys. He told me about power, speed, endurance. He told me about not you specifically, but just the program you guys were doing art of breath and the seminar. So I went to Philadelphia. In 2019, that's how I met Danny Yeager, who's on the phone with us now. And um, and Danny, I'll just give you a very quick intro. I'll let you introduce yourself afterwards. But but Danny is an awesome guy. He stood out to me when I was at the Art of Breath seminar as just being one, not only an educated, strong, stand-up guy, but also somebody who I felt like had a heart behind what he was doing. And um, he's the founder of Kingfield Gym. He's a coach at Power Speed Endurance. He's also one of the guys who leads this seminar that Power Speed Endurance runs called the Art of Breath. And that's how I met him back in 2019 and he made an impression on me. He actually coached me as we went through heat and cold therapy. Um, And I really felt like our community could benefit from hearing from you today, Danny. So if, if you're, if, if you just like to share you know, name age, I've obviously introduced some of this, Um, what you do, how long you've been doing it, where you are, just give some context for today's conversation.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, And I appreciate the intro. So again, um, My name is Danny Yeager and, uh, originally from Denver, Colorado, but I've been in Minnesota since 2004. And I would tell people that like, people kind of ask what I do often. And I'm say, I'm a teacher, right? I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. Um, I do own a gym in Minneapolis. Um, but what I've always tried to talk to people about with that is that, um, the gym has kind of become this place at which people come and go to for development. And, we don't, we have a philosophy where we don't hold on to people for very long. You know, we, we understand that on any journey, fitness or life, there's different stops. And when people come to Kingfield, we hope that that stop is, um, one that lasts for a long time, but sometimes it doesn't and that's okay. And I think that one of the things that we really try to do is influence or impact people when they're there. So with that, um, I personally, um, my coaching background comes more from probably just being able to communicate, right? I would say that if I'm going to lean into something I'm great at, it's communicating. And I have some really talented coaches who specialize in other areas of movement. But for me, it's about developing awareness, right? It's about developing awareness and helping people understand um, starting points. So as it becomes specific towards breath work, um, I started breath work, man, probably about 2015 ish, maybe, maybe even 2014 this time. So a while ago, um, but it, I had started CrossFit way back in 2005. And so I had had a, uh, an injury, which didn't allow me to train. And I kind of needed this way to, um, something else to pique my interest, but also, you know, the gym was what I thought was how I, I kind of like had an outlet for stress. And so, um, I found, I found breath work. I found Wim Hof. And I think that, um, Wim Hof is, it's an entry point for a lot of people into the the breathing space and, And part of it is because you can have an immediate feeling when you start to alter your breathing pattern. When you start to increase that, oftentimes you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, we're going to have this visceral feeling. uh, And it's not always the same experience for everyone. Um, But nonetheless, I think you can always um, say that you remember that time. And so for me, that kind of brought me down the rabbit hole. So I met uh, Brian McKenzie, Rob Wilson, and um, kind of the rest is history. There, starting to uh, to intern with them for a long time, and then start teaching. But um, as I would say now, here in 2020, you know my my job is um, I just work with people, right? I work with people from all different backgrounds, all different ages, and you know I like to talk a lot about that. You know, consistency is what really um, is pivotal if we're looking at long-term success, right? And so, understanding that consistency is important, whether that be in a breath practice, that be in a movement practice, that be in um, your professional life, whatever the case may be. Uh, in the gym is a place where I can I can put something in your hands and I can give you know introduce some sort of stimulus, and then we can have a conversation about that. And as soon as we develop awareness around what and how we talk to ourselves, we find that that mirror, mirrors exactly how we talk to, you know, or see ourselves throughout the rest of our day or each other or how we interact with people. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of in a nutshell, what, what I do now and where I'm at.
0: That's good, man. Yeah. And it just gives us some context. So I'll just kind of retrace the steps, but started CrossFit in 20, in in 2005, 2014, 15 hit that injury point and needed a new outlet, so to speak, of how to, How to kind of maybe manage or or channel that stress that you were feeling in life and that led you to breathing. Is that that's great? Yeah. The direction. Yeah, it's powerful, man. I mean, and I will say, even just your one of the things that you said is I give people a starting point. I think that's what you were so good at. And I noticed that I didn't have language for it until you said it, but giving people a starting point is so powerful because I can look around in the world today. There's so many different things that I'm, I'm just really overwhelmed by like, what, like what's my starting point for maybe getting back into the gym or what's my starting point for breathing. And so today, if you guys get anything, we've got people watching from New York city, Atlantic city, uh, orange County. Uh, we've got DC, we've got Chicago, um, got somebody else from DC. So this is, this is going to be good. Cause we've got people joining in from all over. I think no matter what walk of life you are, no matter what stage, what age, like this is something practical that applies for you, whether you're a high performance athlete or whether you're the person who goes and, and, and has their office job each day and then has a, you know, a family is in that season of life. Like this is something that I think is going to apply for everybody, no matter what stage of life you're in. So um, Danny, as we kind of like just jump in to, you know, we, we've kind of outlined your, your breathing journey. Um, but how have you seen breathing specifically? How Have you seen a focus on breathing impact people throughout your career? Like, what are what are some results that people can really expect?
1: Well, expectations are hard, right? Because expectations would um, maybe lend itself to using some sort of like some some amount of information as to like, okay, if I do if I do this, this is going to be the outcome, right? And I think that. One of the things that people have to to understand is that there isn't a one size fits all um, kind of pathway or journey and the non-sexy answer is it depends. Now, when you engage in breath work, generally the expectation at which you have or the thing that you're looking to improve happens. So like, let's say someone comes to me and they say, I want to increase my performance. Well, Okay, that's fine. That's a blanket statement. And there's, there's ways to go about that. But if you really start to, to work with somebody who understands breath work, and in my case, if I start to, to specifically lean into say, okay, we want to increase your performance. Well, we're going to start to look at your position when you're, is, is this really exercise? We're going to look at your position when you're doing, when you're moving. Okay. And then I'm probably going to start to talk to you about the things that are going on in your head. And so you're not only are you going to influence your state, you're going to influence your mechanics, you're going to influence your physiology. And then all of these other ancillary things that you didn't know were going to happen tend to start to happen. So this is something that um, Brian and Rob have eloquently created in the uh, Art of Breast seminar and a lot of their work is that... Um, at the seminar, when we talk about breath work, we talk about three pillars, state mechanics and physiology. And, but those are not independent of one another, uh, when in, in practical nature, right? So if you're, if I'm going to start to work with athletes on aerobic endurance, right. Or efficiency, you know, all three of those things are going to come into play. We might be honing in or speaking to one of those, except for, um, the outcome is going to influence all three. And so I think that When people have an expectation, I always try to get them to a little bit of reserve judgment, but also ask a lot of questions. My job as a coach is not to to try to put words into your head that are going to influence what you're feeling, but rather ask investigative um, questions to get you to articulate what you're experiencing, because then you learn. And uh, one of the things I like to talk about a lot is that there's this difference between learning and understanding. Understanding is the outcome that happens. Learning is the process that gets us there. So think about it. If you're a coach and I say, TJ, what you need to understand is this. Well, that assumes that you are already privy to what I'm talking about and that you've had some experience with that. So therefore you would be able to understand. But if this is brand new to you, well, you have to first learn so that you can eventually understand. And so I think that in my early coaching years, it was like, take my limited toolbox use the one or two things that I have and try to f- fix all of the ailments of the world with those one or two tools now it's a lot about observing asking questions starting a dialogue so that we can interchange you know our words and we can we can learn together and then that helps me kind of guide the path at which we go so those are the things I think that's probably the most powerful thing with breath work is that what generally the thing that you're striving for um, tends not to be the most um, Pronounced thing that's influenced long term. Most people be like, yeah, I, I wanted to have better health, and all of a sudden now I'm calmer, or I was able to work out longer, or all these other things happen, and you're like, I didn't know that would happen. That's what, that's that's what I think people, um the biggest takeaway from that is, is that um, when you start a practice, there's a lot of things you can't just. That's like 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 saying, I just want to lose belly fat. You know, that doesn't happen. Your body doesn't, you know, spot check itself. It a, it's a global system so
0: yeah, so it's it's really about the whole picture and when you're approaching breath work, looking at it from that whole picture rather than saying I'm doing this to input a and get B it's really I'm doing this for the practice of developing a healthier habit system, a healthier body, a healthier life, more awareness, and things that are going to be more broadly, uh, leading you to those results. Is that kind of like the message that? Sure. Yeah. One of the things
1: that I think I like to point out is like, let's say we're in movement in my world, just a lot of like weightlifting uh, or functional fitness, but let's say somebody has knee pain. Rarely is there something acutely wrong with the knee, right? The, now the symptoms are happening within the knee, but the cause is generally like the, the ankle or the hip. And so with breath work, it's kind of the same thing, but something brings us to the practice that we want to engage in. Um, However, our detractors are rarely the things that we're aware of. And so that um, I think it's important that people just give themselves a time to understand that once they engage with it consistently, things will start to show up. And then therefore we can make adjustments rather than just like wholesale changes all the time. So
0: I got two things from that and you've repeated these words and and I know you're saying it maybe just because it's a part of your language now and you just that's just who you are and it's it's your understanding right learning versus understanding learning being the process of going through understanding being the outcome of actually that learned process uh, which I love that distinction by the way I think we're going to use that going forward but these two words that you're saying that I keep coming back to are awareness and consistency so it's it's to me, I'm hearing breath work is really, yeah, there's something that brings you there. For example, the knee pain brings you to the doctor or to the coach or whatever it is. But really what we're doing in breath work is we're looking to raise awareness and we're looking to develop some sort of pattern of consistency in that process so that we can raise essentially raise more awareness and see what else we can learn. Is that is that kind of like yeah, your approach yeah, that I mean, you know, take I, on the,
1: it? Awareness see the, you know, one of the things that's important is that I think, especially the world we live in today, tech, not, we, we want fast answers. We're in the like too long, didn't read culture, right? Like people can't even read an Instagram post. They're just scroll, scroll, scroll. And so what that does for us though, is it, we start to, you know, look un, unknowingly or knowingly look for shortcuts and then try to, you know, like, you know, okay. like like corroborate truths around fa- around facts, right? So like, I don't feel good. I'm going to look at my HRV score. It says I don't feel good. Great, I don't have to work out, right? Where there's a whole litany of things that go on, whether or not that's accurate, and we become really dependent and kind of we start to offload a lot of our awareness, or our ability to be in tune with our body um, to other things, really for the sake of comfort. And I think what's important about that is. Um, what awareness does is it actually, it gives you opportunities to see exactly who you are at that given moment, whether you like it or not, you have to, you have to be able to objectively look at that and be like, okay, this is, this is the truth. So that's, that's important. I mean, in in outside of breath work, you can put that into insert whatever state activity or whatnot, you know, once you understand who you are, again, that's your starting point. But, um, in fitness, it's like, or weightlifting. If you want to lift a certain amount of weight and you, you know, you can't, well, that's just the barbell is very objective. Doesn't lie. Breath work's kind of the same thing, you know, like depending on what you're looking for, your current state is what it is and you have to accept that. So awareness gives us the ability every day to be like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I, you know, this is what I'm dealing with. These are the, these are the cards I've been dealt now. Consistency is where real change happens because that's when we develop habits that's when we take action that's when we start to uh, you know engage with ourself and the reason consistency is important is because um you know i think that that's kind of what molds you into who you are now when we talk about fitness um consistent you no know, one workout is going to get you fit especially now like people are coming for june 17th some parts of the country are reopening people are going back to their gyms um and i I've been saying this at mine um, for probably the last six weeks because we've been in the parking lot and now inside is that uh, the weights are going to feel heavier because they should. It's what it's supposed to be. And the reason that they feel heavy is because you, you haven't been engaged in your practice and that's okay. That's great. That's, that's what happens from time to time. Now, now we're starting to get back into the gym. We're starting to pick things up. Well, you need to listen to what your body's telling you, you need to be okay with what's happening. And then just be understand that over time, if we consistently show up, then it will, we will get back to where you once were or better. Um, And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the conversation I've been having with people. And and I think the consistency is, is really the secret ingredient. I mean, you can look at education. If you want a PhD, they don't hand those things out. You got to do the work consistently if you want to be successful in business, generally doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, you know, or you hear people say things like, I just need a little bit of luck. Well, luck, the definition of luck is, you know, when preparation meets opportunity, that's luck. And so I think that those are things that I like to think about, um, especially in all facets, because that I, it becomes a guiding and a driving force for people and something that I think they can chew on and, and work with. So.
0: So good, man. Especially the, the point about essentially what I'm getting is like, Hey, when, when you're working and approaching breath work, you're slowing down, you're raising awareness to your current state, good, bad, ugly. And then through consistently doing that, you're actually able to create the changes you're looking for, because guess what? If you consistently come back to an uncomfortable state, you're going to have to address it. You're going to have to address whatever is going on, the knee pain, the the anxious mind the things that we haven't addressed in our life which we're getting comments wow great perspective about offloading self awareness for the sake of comfort I mean that's a quote like it's so powerful that perspective is so powerful and and you're talking about it in the context of and you gave three pillars I'm gonna repeat it because at the end guys we're gonna have uh, we always do just like a a small gift giveaway at the end for people who are paying attention and Um, you talked about the three pillars that they share that you guys share at the art of breath seminar in, in state mechanics and physiology and how these three things are not independent pillars, but it's really more of like a triangular approach, all kind of working interchangeably with awareness and awareness of your state. I really, I, I know your, your specialty, your focus is really in mechanics, but I do want to take a second to just kind of frame or give people perspective of like, you know, if the quality of our life really is dictated in many ways by the quality of our state, right. And we can lie to ourselves about our state, but ultimately at the end of the day, we come back, put our head on that pillow at night. We know, right. Unless we're just busying ourselves with distraction. Uh, We, we can confront that we know, but there's like a real element here when you're developing awareness of your state, there's a real element of, of, of understanding that we need to maybe gain, or, or learning that needs to happen to gain that understanding. Can you just tell me a little bit about your perspective, your words on state and what that actually means practically?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that when people, when we talk about state, right? Um, there's a lot of buzzwords, right? Like mindset or psychology or things like that. But I would tell you that very clearly the way that I like to talk about state is just um, we're talking about, your overall kind of like presence at that time. Right. So like, if I want to influence my state, okay. I want to change and use breath work to change my state. Well, I want to change how I feel. Right. Generally. How do I feel? I want to change my state. And so um, let's say I've had a stressful day and I want to relax. Well, that's changing my state. I want to, you know, I'm about to public speak and I need to calm myself down. That's be influencing my state. So state would be tied in with nervous system physiology and things like that. Um, but really it's, it's kind of about like, think about how you check in with yourself. How do you feel at this moment? Things like that. What is your state like? And so um, what is your, you know, your state of mind, those types of things, whatever the case may be. But um, you know, I think that the most important thing about that again is like if you're looking to use breath work to influence your state or change your state to feel different, um, you eventually have to engage in a practice at which maybe that's longer exhales, that's different uh, breathing protocols, whatever the case may be. And you're going to have to become more advanced, right? And in, in you know, you've, you and I have shared where we've used um, breath work with our family and in your story with your dad but it doesn't take a lot it's not like these aren't super super advanced techniques but if you're looking to influence somebody wants to change their state they generally are coming and asking i feel a certain way and i don't want to feel this way i want to be i want to feel different so that's really what state is in, in a very broad sense i find that that's an easier way for people to digest uh, or it's easier for them to um to kind of like comprehend it first because you know, the world we live in right now has a lot of interpretations, has a lot of things. And really, it's just like, hey, how do you feel? You want to feel different? Let's talk about your state. I'll start there.
0: So, so good. Yeah. And I love how you describe it. It's just so simple. It's like, hey, how you check in with yourself. Guys, if you have questions, I want to encourage you to post them so we can get to those. Danny, before we do some experiential stuff, because I know that's really where we're going to benefit the most in terms of actually starting the learning process. Uh, before we dive in and get that starting point, I did have a question then kind of tying into state around the, around the um, physiology pillar before we get to mechanics. right and, and the physiology, just quickly, you know one of the things that has just been eye opening for me in the process of actually coaching because we're doing life coaching, and so there's a lot of things that are involved in that. It's kind of a broad term that I don't even like to use, but it's, it is what it is. And similar to you, it's kind of like there's teaching, mentorship, there's a lot of questions. And, and so, and so when it comes to physiology, though, what we've recognized is like, you can, you can ultimately, you can help somebody work through their perspective shifts all you want, but if their body physiologically is not in alignment, if they're hormonally out of balance, if they're in a chronic state of fight or flight, it's really difficult to be able to navigate the things that you really need to navigate. For example, problem solving, Right. Uh, or or establishing or getting change in your life, like having more energy, right? Being able to digest properly. There's better sleep. I mean, there's so many elements to this that are that are important. And so in terms of physiology, can you talk about the autonomic nervous system? Because some people maybe have never heard what that is. And just tell us a little bit, give us like the, the cliff notes version of what that is. And then fight or flight versus rest and digest state.
1: Sure, sure. So the autonomic nervous system um really is just like the part of the nervous system that's responsible for things that we don't consciously control, right? So that's an easy way to think about it without getting into too in-depth nervous system physiology. So like think of like the rate at which you breathe at, um digestion, your heart rate, all that stuff. Cool thing about nerve, you know, the autonomic nervous system and breath work specifically is you actually have control over that. And so um, and what's you know breathing influences everything so you talked about like digestion or heart rate or things like that and like i like to tell people like if a tiger were to come into your room right now you would see it right your heart rate would increase but what changed first your heart rate or your breath rate how you're ventilating right so your how you breathe influences everything right and so the the thing about that is that there's our body is amazing because we can switch on between these things on and off all day long. Like I don't tell myself how to digest food. It just does that. Um, I don't tell my, my heart how to work just does that. But when we're talking about the autonomic nervous system, these are things that, that happen all day long without our conscious control. Um, now when we talk about the physiology, the physiology aspect, um, of breath work as it relates to the art of breath seminar, um, the important thing about that is, that what we're trying to do is to give people a starting point and give them some base level stuff so that they can communicate this or convey this to other people. And a lot of that has to do with the relationship between oxygen and carbon dioxide. And it's not just I take a breath, fill up my lungs, magic happens, and I exhale. Um, There's some deeper level physiology stuff, but what's important to realize about that is that your relationship and how you you adapt to, to carbon dioxide is extremely important carbon dioxide um, is the metabolic byproduct of all stress in the body now if you have a hard day at work or you have a you know a really long plane ride or multiple multiple you know clients those things your body doesn't interpret those things as different you know you go and work out really really hard and you come back and you're exhausted physiologically those things register exactly the same and so when we talk about the know physiology the third pillar in the art of breath what we're trying to do is paint a picture that um, you can influence um breath work or you can influence your um your physiology by utilizing breath work because we can actually make wholesale chemical changes um within our in our body and and how we interact with our environment so um Meaning if you increase your, your ventilation rate, so you breathe faster, there's things that happen. You breathe slower, there's things that happen. Now, as it relates to um, fight or flight or rest and digest, you're talking about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. And really what we want to do is, is it's not just like I'm, uh, you know, a dim- like a light switch, like I'm sympathetic, I'm parasympathetic, I'm sympathetic, I'm parasympathetic. It's, it's kind of a, a dimmer switch, right? And that... As humans, we don't transition that well, okay oftentimes, like you and I are sitting here on a zoom call, and as much as we might feel like we're relaxed, we're very stimulated right now we're we're speaking a lot um, so this is more of a sympathetic activity and so what in order for us to maintain or balance homeostasis, we have to have the the other side of that, which would be parasympathetic, and most times more time being parasympathetic or more time in that you know recovery state than being on but as we all know especially in the current state of the world that doesn't happen right so we have days on end where we just try to like hit the pavement work hard all that stuff and it just kicks the shit out of ourselves until you break so i think that what's important about go ahead
0: go ahead go ahead
1: i was just gonna say i think what's important about autonomic nervous system or sympathetic versus parasympathetic and all of this stuff is that you understand that um you have to, again, and we can just take this back to awareness. You have to have a little bit of information about how the way you interact with your environment on a daily basis really influences how you feel. And um, you might be laying in a really comfortable bed, staring at a phone, but that's doing something to yourself. You know, these things have long-term effects if you consistently engage with your environment that way. So, does that answer your question?
0: Absolutely. And, and really, I think the thing that you're highlighting to me and I think for anybody to take away is that, for example, that that example of laying in bed, staring at your phone. If our body if our body registers that stimulus the same as, for example, you know, the tiger entering the room and the triggering text message or Instagram post that we're reading while lying in bed our mind can rationally tell us I shouldn't be this reactive because I'm laying in bed, but our body, if we're not aware to your point of thinking about this as a raising awareness piece of our state, our body can register that just the same as if we're under actual physical threat for our Totally. Life.
1: totally. And I, I think what's important about that is that, I mean, or what maybe it's should point out is like how many times have you heard that these big tech companies um, are hiring people, and their entire job is just to figure out how people and will engage more. And what? And do you think that that's by like putting prettier colors on the, you know, like on on things? Like that's that's not how that works. It's it's about how we chemically interact with um, our environment, and that is inevitably how people programmed, which is wild to me. I mean, food's the same way it's engineered, you know, in certain ways so that it hits, um, you know, on so that we, you know, we crave it more and things like that. I mean, we're, we're incredibly intelligent, but we're also just like, it's sometimes very depressing to be like, man, we're suckers.
0: (laughs) Also a reality, also a reality on the, on the other side of the incredible intelligence. Totally. Right. um, We've set
1: ourselves up, our own greatest limiters so
0: yeah well i i um so i want to just highlight maybe recap like two things here one is the idea of the light switch versus the dimmer and how we can be in in and just to recap when we think parasympathetic think rest and digest when we think sympathetic think fight flight or freeze or sympathetic is stimulated s and s is is a helpful way to keep me grounded there but that, it, that it's, while it may be a dimmer rather than a light switch, in other words, I'm not in, oh, I'm in rest mode or, oh, I'm in, you know, stimulated stress mode. It's this idea of going from that stress state to a rest state takes some sort of yeah, um, transition,
1: you know, we, transition. Have to, yeah, yeah. we have to transition and we don't do that well. We tend to use other forms or other substances or other, you know, exogenous things to try to help us transition which we believe does, but um, on a physiological level, we're really poor at transitioning from one to the other. And for those that have a little bit of background, we're never purely sympathetic or purely parasympathetic. Both are operating at the same time. It's just as to what degree is one more dominant than the other. And that's, that's an easy starting point. That's an easy way to understand it at first without getting too technical.
0: Uh, super, super helpful. So as we think about that word transition and going from sympathetic to parasympathetic and and really the practical tool, which is why we're on the call talking about breath work. let's, you know, if, if you're open to it and you want to jump into the mechanics and just the third pillar and talk about, or even just lead us in some sort of breath work ourselves, a starting point for us so that, for example, a really practical thing we could do is learn on this call right now, I, like you guys are going to learn how to transition or facilitate help yourself transition from a stress state to a rest state. Um, and and Danny, would you would you like to lead us in in something there?
1: Yeah, of course, of course. So one of the things that I think um, I always like to talk about is that if we are trying to consciously shift right, trying to consciously shift our state in in one direction, generally down. Um, the way physiology works is sometimes we have to bring ourselves up to bring ourselves back down. And so one of the things I like to say is that when we begin to engage in, um, in, in breath work and stuff like that, kind of the hamster wheel starts, right? So this tends to be the first time during the day when people pause and then all of a sudden it's like the to-do list starts. So the real practice is generating some awareness around that. And I always like to talk about like boxing those thoughts and just putting them on the shelf. Right. And so, what you want to think about is that you want to just like, as we go through this, if you find that your mind's racing, you're like, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, just put it on the shelf, box it, put it on the shelf. Because what that's going to do is it's going to help, right? It's going to help things become um, a lot more later on that tool where you start to see, okay, my mind is drifting this way or my behavior is going this way or my conversation's going this way. That's one of the benefits of this. So um, first thing is just going to be teaching people a little bit about um, ventilation and so put hands on your on your ribs and I want you guys to just take a big deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and what you should feel is you should feel that rib cage just move laterally right so then we try that one more time big breath in through the nose everything goes in and then out through the nose all right and so it's kind of the first piece generally and a little bit of awareness from a 360 degree approach. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna go through, um, we're gonna go 20 big breaths, okay? So I'll lead you through that. And then we'll just go through a little five rounder. Now the big breaths are gonna be what we'd call more super ventilation. So just bringing yourself up just a little bit. And then uh, the exhale, what I want you to think about is just letting it go. So we'll go in through the nose and then we'll just go out through the mouth, but it's like this. And the idea is again, we want All right, so we'll go through that. TJ, you have to do this too. So, all right, ready, and then you can just follow. Ready, and inhale. And I'm gonna
0: keep. I'm gonna keep my mic on mute so you guys don't mute so you don't hear me breathing.
1: (laughs) Perfect. All right, follow me. inhale, Inhale, exhale. 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 Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Five more. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Last one. Big inhale. I want you to hold. Okay. Now slow exhale. And after you exhale everything out, I
2: just want you to be calm. We're just going to hang out for 30 seconds. all
1: right nice big breath in hold and let it out perfect all right so what you kind of feel is i'm sure you got a little bit more awareness maybe a little bit tingly maybe like oh my gosh like got a little cold whatever the case may be but now we brought some presence to this moment so now we're going to go through what we're going to do is a five second inhale we're going to do a 10 second hold and then we're gonna go five second exhale. So the integers on this is just a one, two, one. So all of it's gonna be in through the nose, all right? So we're gonna go five rounds
2: of this, ready? And inhale. Hold. And exhale. And inhale. Hold, and exhale, and inhale, hold, and exhale, and inhale, hold, and exhale, and inhale, Hold. And exhale. All right, take a nice big breath in through your nose. Hold, and then when you're ready, just let it out nice and slow. All right.
1: I feel great. <laughs> it's a nice like little shift. I mean, so it's not like, you know, all all it is is like what was that? 4ish minutes maybe tops. It just was just 20 quick breaths, nothing crazy. So there's not like again, low expectation or no expectation, something that you can do that's pretty pretty generally friendly friendly and has a low barrier to entry. And then that was literally just five in 10, hold five out. And I mean, if you're going to bed, you might, there's some stuff where you can work on longer extended exhales. Um, But right now, if you're just like, man, I had kind of just like a, a rough day, I'm just going to shift down. It's really easy. That was what total of 15, 25, 35 breaths tops. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing that I'm, so, I mean, man, I'm in a different state. I'm in a different state right now. The thing now, mind you, I get this, I got this huge light coming in on my face, right? Super stimulating. But I'm in such a different state. And guys, I would love to see if if you were, you know, taking part in that in that engaging um just starting point breath work. Would love to hear your response over chat here. If you have any questions too, please feel free to ask those. Um, but yeah, just, there's a couple of things that come to mind, the biggest one that I want to highlight for people. And this is a good reminder for me. And and I like, Danny, I struggle with this man sometimes is, you know, I sit down and have my quiet time and I'm like exactly what you said, man, my head's just going boom, 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 you know, do this. I got to remember up that the other, up, and my wife, like I got to do, you know, and oh, my mom, I got to do this thing. And so, uh, so when you said you got to go up, before you go down and the 20 breaths that we did and engaging in that first that honestly that's what lowered a lot of expectations for me
1: yeah I think when you bring yourself up you're just making a little bit bringing a little bit more awareness a little bit more present focus to like okay right here right and so sometimes if we sit down and we try to be quiet as you I'm sure you can all hear my my son yelling and things like that i mean like if you if you want to just all of a sudden it's like the expectation is like i gotta be calm that's not how it works right then you're just stressing yourself out more so sometimes just like bring yourself up just a little bit more okay now here we are and then just easy bring yourself down i mean there's don't get me wrong like there's some ways you can do some long extended successive you know, repetitious breath work, which is going to induce some, some chemical responses. I have just found that again, you know, breath work influences everyone differently. It's not a one size fits all type deal. And so, um, not everyone appreciates those like, whoa, loopy moments or, or there might be some underlying things in there that are now very pronounced. And so it's just, it's just a nice way to like, just bring a little bit of focus and then drop it down. So, mm. um, and I think that one of the things that too, what's this say right here, one, two breathing, self actively trying to ease my nervousness to hold my breath and slowly let it out. Would you say that during breath exercises, your awareness, your state, uh, during breath exercises, uh, so
0: quite, and if, if you don't mind, I want to read it out loud so people can hear it. Cause I think it's a powerful, first of all, we're getting great responses. feels great. I feel different. I'd love to do this daily um really powerful so the question was just for you and sometimes i'm it helps me to hear it too danny but they said uh jenny was asking so during the one-to-one breathing right which we did five ten five uh, i felt myself actively trying to ease i was actively trying to ease my nervousness to hold my breath and to slowly let it out so there was almost this tension because they was like now i'm trying too hard would you say that during the breathing exercises, your awareness of your state is a big part of it to help you ease the stress you may feel. Well, maybe not
1: like to eat awareness of your state to ease your stress, but um, I would say that just knowing that if you if you're a lot if you're if you're more stressed out, right? If you are if you've had a long day, like things like that. You know, we've talked about. Um, exhale tests all that if you if you start your breath practice and things seem more challenging than they usually do there's probably something going on there and so therefore um let's say that one two one was like 10 in 20 hold 10 out and you're like this is something i can just do all the time but then you're trying and it's really really hard you have no idea why well because you're you're metabolically you're pretty stressed out and i'm sure you could trace it back to being like maybe I haven't slept that well. Maybe I've got a lot on my mind. Maybe, you know, I got done working out. There's all these other things, but some at a cellular level, chemically, we're not balanced. And now you're trying to engage with the practice with the expectation that it's always going to be the same. And that's not how it works. And so having awareness over your state will give you some insight as to how to to guide that practice. Um, ease nervousness will that that super ventilation work those 20 breaths tend to make people just a little bit more nervous and the idea is we ramped ourselves up just a little bit um, intentionally and so if that makes you really really nervous um, to just back that off sometimes you can slow that rate down just doesn't have to be you know because those things actively will induce different responses and so Um, again, to probably simplify the question, it just is more information. It's like if you're really, really sore and you're wondering why the weights feel heavy or your run feels slower or you feel lethargic, being aware of your state is just going to give you more feedback as to more than likely how that session is going to go or what you should be doing. Now, if you take that into the larger conversation of using breath work to shift our state or recover more, let's say you can't hit that one to one integer that you've been using will you need to back it down you need to make yourself you need to objectively be okay with the fact that maybe you need to take it take 10 seconds off of each of those you know so maybe it needs to go back to five ten five which would be feel very easy but also that will be um much more therapeutic and so if that answers your question
0: So to me, I'm hearing, hey, let's not try and use that to change. Let's try and use that to be aware and and just collect that data.
1: It's just, just, I'm glad that that helps, Jenny. Um, Yeah, It's just, it's never going to be the same, right? So like, this is one of the things, as is with everything, you know, you're not going to always be able to just like predict how things work because we have environmental stressors all the time. And so regionally too. I mean, look at what we just got through with COVID-19, you know, depending on where you live, there was different things. Now with that, um, I'm sure there was much higher level of just consistent stress for everyone. So, um, that would have some effect, things like that.
0: So can you tell me, so we have, um, one of the things we talk about is six core pillars and diet, it's sleep, it's movement, active rest, reflection, connection. This falls into active rest all day. All day. This is like, this is number one tool for something like active rest. And we encourage sensory activities. And, and just for context, the six core pillars, these are our pillars to like building the foundation to a fulfilling life. So you can have income impact freedom, but if you're not healthy, like none of that really matters. And so we want people to be healthy and we know that nutrition is going to help you, sleep's going to help you, movement and exercise is going to help you, but so is active rest. And this is a big one that a lot of people miss. And so I love talking about breath work because it is such a practical way for us to engage in rest actively. Now, with that said, as we think about engaging in active rest, and as we think about using this as a tool, like how do I how do I develop, because you've mentioned this a couple times, but how do I develop some sort of awareness as to the engagement I'm having with my environment? Or in other words, plain English, how do I know when I need to move from fight or flight or freeze state to more of a rest state?
2: Well, I would say like if for the purpose of learning, it's,
1: you know, probably just pay attention to when you open your mouth. It's probably a good starting point, right? If you're like, because that's a, that's a very, um, it's a very like uh specific thing that happens when we, you know, are influenced by our environment. Right. So like, if you look at somebody who's just sitting on, you know, let's say the subway or an airplane and they're just calm breathing through their nose, I bet you their demeanor is probably pretty mellow, right? Now, you can, we've, all, we've been around people who are a little bit stressed out, their respiration rays up. You can hear those things. Like, that's a good indicator. Now, the reason I say for the process of learning is because at some point in time, we can't just become so committed to one thing that all of a sudden we, like, start to stress ourselves out if we're not like, oh, my gosh, did I switch? I mean, you nor I know... To what degree we are in parasympathetic or sympathetic at all times, but I can guarantee you that like you can probably ask yourself like, okay feeling feeling great? Well, I'm probably more rested feeling really stressed out. I'm probably not as rested in the Art of breast seminar, this is where at the end of the state lecture we talk about triangulation and you know having metrics, three different metrics for how you measure or your current um, your current state and how you are able to like, you know, put, come together with your own system. And one of those, you know, organically, it was just like, when, when Rob started giving this, this speech, you know, or this lecture, Hugh and Brian, they would talk about like three is better than one, because if two, if you, you know, if you're two for three, you're gonna be great. Kenny Kane, um, from CrossFit LA has happy, horny and, and hungry. If you wake up happy, horny and hungry, it's probably a pretty good metric for your current state. Um, but as you know the course went on and, and rob and brian taught and taught and taught and they were just in front of so many different um audiences it kind of came up where it's like well if you had a metric for state you had a metric for mechanics and you had a metric for physiology it's probably a pretty good indicator for what's going on so in short um you need to listen to your body you know you need to listen to how you feel you need to listen to um pay attention to what you know what your first 15 minutes of your day is like, and, you know, kind of how you enter the world. Now, if you want a really simple one, you can just do a CO2 tolerance test. And a CO2 tolerance test is just a timed exhale test. And this is going to give you some insight into um, not only like your mechanical um, capacity with breath work, but also your ability to handle higher levels of CO2 in the system. Now, this isn't something that Robert Bryant created. This is something that, uh, is taught in the art of breath seminar, but free divers have been doing this for, you know, many, many years to set, um, tables for apnea, breathing for training, but an exhale test is super simple. It's four breaths. And so what it is, is first, it's just three breaths and all in through the nose, three seconds in three seconds out on the fourth breath, you fill all the way up and then you hit start on a stopwatch and you time how long you can exhale. So how slow can you exhale? And then that gives you a pretty good metric to where you're at. If you swallow, stop the test. If you hold your breath, stop the test. If you have no more air left, stop the test. Um, and then from there, you can kind of gauge that. And so it's really important um, that people start to develop some some kind of metrics with that. And here's just kind of some, some food for thought. I took my CO2 tolerance test the day before my son was born and it was like... 87 seconds which is pretty consistent right it was kind of somewhere just around 90 seconds on the exhale test
0: and that and that means just to be clear for everybody that means yep. that you did those three inhale exhales at your own pace and then you inhaled and let it out as slowly as you could through yeah, your nose and it was like 80 seconds 87 seconds.
1: To, seconds Yep, 87 seconds to exhale all the air in my lungs through my nose the 24 hours later after my son was born and i hadn't gotten to sleep and we had you know gone through the whole birthing process it was 46 seconds and so it tells you uh, i hadn't worked out i had just gone through you know that and anybody that's had a child knows that that's a very emotional and stressful um, event physiologically there's a lot of underlying stress there and so if i knowing that okay i just went from 87 24 hours ago to now 46 well if let's say I was going into the gym and it was 87 seconds and then I just took it right before and it's 47 seconds, would that tell you that I was in tip top shape? No, it wouldn't. This is a real like technology free metric for what's going on underneath the hood. Now, not to say that the whoop strap isn't you know great or all this other stuff, but you know, you have to remember that the accuracy of that um, those devices is based on the person who made the algorithm and the battery life. And so those things can tend to be off, which is fine, but you shouldn't solely base your your preparedness off of something
0: that you can't.
1: You know, like you, it could break. <laughs> you know, you and, don't. Have and
0: control. and the way the way I even look at this because I've been testing it, the whoop strap, and the way I've been testing it is, or the way I look at it, is similar to how we've talked about and how you've mentioned a couple other things here, just around. And even Jenny's question around, well, what is this, what, what does this mean? And it's more like, I don't need to know necessarily what it means so much as I can say, this is a data point. This mm-hmm. is one data point. And I think your approach that I, that I just appreciate so much is even the first, one of the first questions, what are the results people can expect? And your answer is expectations are hard. It depends, right? We need to have data points we need to have more awareness and and we're not looking necessarily for the outcome so much as we are looking to engage with the practice and and so when i'm hearing you talk about even just this for example the co2 tolerance test like engaging with the practice and, and and breath work in general one of the important things that that you taught me and and brian and all the other guys mentioned is it's like getting some sort of baseline for that information, the data you're collecting, is so important. For example, if you just told me your CO2 tolerance was 46 seconds, that wouldn't mean anything to me. Like, like just, I mean, if it was just one number randomly, like I, I don't have any context. I don't know what that means. I don't know. But if you give me that example where you say, here's a before, here's the after, here's an event in between. And you're giving context, you had a baseline, you had a new number. And that now that, it, that information kind of paints a little bit more of a picture for me. And so if you're watching, if you're listening, I think that that question around you know, like how you can get your baseline and some of the examples, um, there's three things. I'll just repeat them, but uh, check just a simple one. Data point, is your mouth open? Just as you're going throughout your day, you shallow mouth breathing. That's a sign that you might be in a more stimulated stress state. Uh, the second thing that you mentioned, which I love, was just the first 15 minutes of your day. Check how you, how you enter into the world and your state then. And, and really, the state is, as you mentioned earlier, which I love, just how do you feel? Check in with yourself. And the third, which I love because it's just such a practical metric, and we've, been, we've even used this with clients since you guys taught me it but the CO2 tolerance test. And so when you have a, a a longer time that you're able to control that exhale, your, your, uh, your body is likely in a better state. Uh, And I say better meaning more rested. If that's what better means here, it's just in a more rested state than a more stimulated state. And And that's not to say being stimulated is a bad state. It's more, uh, more information, so maybe I can take that word better back. But is that everything I just recap? Is that accurate from what you were saying? Yeah,
1: I think it's great. I mean, I think that the biggest thing is just again, like you said, numbers are arbitrary, and so um, just starting to to gauge a little bit of of where you are, and then again, I'm a big fan of just objectively being able to say this is you know this is who I am and this is where I'm at versus comparatively is is important because like you said before, we can, we can tell ourselves the story that we want to hear, but what is the real story?
0: So good. So, um, as we wrap up Danny, cause I want to respect your time. Um, but I wanted to give the guys a question, guys and girls watching a question. And while they answer that question, because we're going to send a gift to whoever answers and sends me their Venmo or cash app name, <laughs> um, but as I ask this question and as we're getting answers, I'll have another final question for you. Just looking for your best advice. I'll just, I'll give you, um, I'll give you the two, the two questions, best advice for beginners, or, you know, if they're starting breath work, I say beginners, meaning this is something that's relatively new to them. So that'll be the first question to think on. Uh, and then the second question is best advice for how you can develop that consistency. So those are the two things. And before we get that answer, guys, I'm gonna ask everybody who's watching live. Um, So we talked about the three pillars from the Art of Breath seminar. We talked about three pillars from the Art of Breath seminar. And the first pillar we talked about was state. The second pillar we talked about was physiology. And there was a third pillar. And we touched on this briefly. There's a third pillar. So if you guys remember, go ahead and answer that in the chat and send me your Venmo or cash app name with it. And we'll pick a winner. I'll send you 10 bucks before we go. Um, Danny, my question just around best advice for beginners and for um, developing consistency. What what are your thoughts around that? Especially the beginner's point.
1: Well, I think the beginners is pretty easy. Like um, I think first there has to be a desire to, to want to engage in practice, right? So there has to be a want to, um, to probably learn or change, whatever the case may be that that's important, um, or just a general curiosity. And so when you start with something like this, I don't think oftentimes people are, have a general awareness around just what happens when they restrict breathing or, um, they go about their day and try to regulate or control their breathing. And so
2: super, super simple. Just work out breathing through your nose only for a week. Just try that.
1: Try to only breathe through your nose and then be okay with uh, the challenges and the difficulties that happen. You know, start there. Um, If people don't have a dedicated movement practice, that's great. Um, Totally fine. Just take five minutes a day. Just lay on the ground. Get comfortable and then just slowly breathe four seconds in, four seconds out. Just do that through your nose and just see how you feel every day, five minutes. And just, um, you know, kind of pay attention and kind of see what happens the rest of the day. Does that influence how you, you know, you interact with yourself the rest of the day? Does that influence your perception things like that? People who want to learn a little bit more or um, expand upon this. I- I'm always a big proponent of finding a coach, you know, finding somebody that can guide you through it. Uh, the art of breath seminars, Rob and Brian have always talked about, is um, is the seminar that they wish they had when they started breathwork. Rather than asking all the questions and going to all the gurus and digging through all the books, um, it's they created this course, which um, you know myself and Kevin have been able to influence greatly. But is really puts together an awesome starting point. And so, what's great during this time right now is that that course is available online. And so you can start that, um, very affordable, but it it starts to paint a really great picture, which then people can start to ask more questions. So once you, once you start to have a little bit more engagement with your practice, then it's your responsibility again, to perpetuate learning, ask questions, you know, seek people out, you know, and those are, I think, um, things that are super, super important because that, that kind of continues to make, um, the journey more meaningful. And, um, also, you know, If you go back to learning versus understanding, inevitably, you'll begin to understand some things. And I think inevitably what we understand is that we don't know that much.
0: (laughs) That's a word right there. That's a word. So I'm hearing, okay, so uh, one example for beginner workout. And by the way, just before I give you that, um, congratulations, Ilan. That was the right answer. Mechanics was the third pillar. Uh, The first pillar was state. We talked about physiology second and third was mechanics. Um, so best advice for beginners, Danny, what I'll just recap was of course the baseline. You need to desire this. It needs to be something you desire, but then I heard what you could do is work out only breathing through your nose for a week. Just try it and be okay with the discomfort question for you. Why nose and not mouth? Can you just very quickly explain the difference yeah, I mean, between nose breathing, mouth breathing?
1: If we're talking about proper ventilation mechanics, um, sustainability. Do you want to be efficient through using your nose? Cause that was... Uh, that was designed or created with your respiratory system in mind. And so um, those are important things to, uh, to start with. And it will also create some very clear uh, experiences around how, uh, how well you breathe or how, how poorly you breathe.
0: So. That's good. And the other, the other beginner tip was if you just take five minutes, do it consistently every day lay down four seconds. And you said lay down, lay down on your back.
1: Yeah. Just, just get comfortable, right. Don't put a lot of pressure around it, but four seconds in four seconds out five minutes.
0: Good. Yeah. Super, super helpful. Danny, you're going to see something pop up on your screen right now. We always just end with a quick poll, just mm-hmm. asking people if they refer referred to their friend. Um, the other question is, you know, how you develop that consistency. What's your best advice to develop that consistency before we go?
1: Well, I think you have to, you have to make a commitment to, um, to practice. So pick a time frame, you know, that is going to be a little bit inconvenient. So it has to, it'll then kind of groove itself into your routine, but not so arduous that uh, it just is unbearable. But I think you have to pick a time frame, you know, a set number of days, um, and, and commit to that. And if you make the commitment, generally you, uh, will, it means something. So. And so I think that's probably the easiest, the easiest entry point.
0: Yeah. And what's the, uh, one of the things that we like to tell people is do less than you can consistently. So in other words, when you're making that commitment, and I'd be curious, you know, Danny, what your perspective is on it, but it's, you know, we talk about the idea of of if you can do 10 minutes, do five and just do five, but do five consistently.
1: Yeah. More is not better. Better is better
0: so mm. Mm. that's a good word right there Danny I appreciate you man thank you so much for dropping awesome. the wisdom thank, thank, thank you thank you so much all right, brother. have a good one all right
2: guys thank you bye-bye